This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Tonight we're going to send off, uh, pray for it. Uh, it's just our blessing and prayer over. Brother Jim Roberts says he leaves to go to India. We're honored tonight to have his uncle, a guy Roberts here, who I got to hear and was very impressed and blessed and uh it's a wonderful thing that a man would come from such a godly heritage. And you can think about his uh, uh, moms and dads and aunts and uncles, uh, the godly heritage Jim has. And so I'm going to ask Brother Guy Roberts, who he would, to come take about five minutes and say some something here. Just try to straighten Jim out one last time. And, and uh, sir, five minutes. And then, Dad, you come take five minutes to straighten him out a little bit more after that, all right? And then I'll come introduce Jim. Yes, sir. I wasn't really planning on saying anything. I've said a lot to Jim down through the years. Uh, I've, let me just say this. I was put my glasses up, my Bible up. I've been studying the book of Acts for, um, I don't know, several weeks now through our church. And I guess if there's any word of encouragement I'd have for Jim, you can study messages. Uh, you can prepare. You can... Secure a meeting place. And you can knock on doors. But there's just certain things you cannot do. And uh, Acts is filled with things that God does. And sometimes we get very dependent. I'm the first one and have been guilty of it all. Have been very dependent on my preparation. My abilities are a building that we have. Are a program that we have put together. But I love the things that God does in the book of Acts that only God can do. And I just want to just mention a couple of them in Acts chapter 4. And uh, I believe God can still shake a place. They prayed out of desperation. Uh, we pray not fundamentally, but supplementally. It was fundamental in the book of Acts. They were desperate for God to do something because they had no building. They had no money. They had no big shot preachers. Peter was a fisherman. Still had a little stink of fish on him. They were unlearned, uneducated, uncouth maybe. But they had been with Jesus. And they had the power of God on them. So there's two things. Two things that I've been praying for since I studied, started studying the book of Acts. Acts 4, it says God gave them great power. I have no power. Lump of clay. Worthless lump of clay. Somebody asked me the other day, would uh, so-and-so be welcome at Concord? I said, you got to be kidding me. I'm not welcome to heaven. I'm not worthy to be in Concord. I'm not worthy to be sitting on a church pew. Great grace has I've experienced because of the grace of God. Sure, they're welcome. Sure, they're welcome. I need great power. I don't have anything. God can do in India what he's got to do everywhere through his power. And if he can shake a building in the book of Acts, I'm trusting him to shake a building. In India, or shake a building in Pickens, or shake a building in Alpharetta. I'm not hung up on dispensations. I'm not hung up on denominations. 
I'm hung up on a God that I'm believing in can do the miraculous. And I'm praying for his power. Number two, great grace. I don't want God judging me on what I do. I'm so glad I'm not a puppet on a string that God's judging me based on my performance. He's judging me based on the finished, perfect work of Christ. I'm a candidate for great grace. So that's my prayer for you in autumn and a church in India. And Brother Talby and anybody else that's going, anybody else is going anywhere else. I need God's power because I've got none. I need God's grace because without it, I'm what I was, a hell-deserving sinner. So great power and great grace. That's my prayer. Thank you, brother. You've heard the preacher in the family. Uh, that's him. Uh, I was thinking driving down the road. Uh, not much I could say to Jim. I hadn't already said to him. He's watched me all his life. I've watched him. But I would say this. I thank God for Autumn Ellenberg. Uh, I really do. Uh, God would have saved him because God's in the saving business. But God took that little girl to save my big old boy and lead my big old boy to Christ. And I thank God for her. God made her for him. Uh, Robertses aren't easy to live with. They're bullheaded, stubborn, borderline mean. Uh, my daddy was, and I'm just like him. He's just like daddy. Guy's a lot like mama. Uh, guy's the only sweet one in the family. God made her for him. I believe that with all my heart. And I thank God for all of them. Uh, if I could have sat down when my wife told me that we was going to have another son, another child, if I could have sat down and said, ah, God, this is what I want. This is it. This is the size. This, I'd have got him. Sin and all. Me and his mama loved him. And I feel like the most blessed man in the world. I got to pastor a church. She got to quit work. I got to watch him practice football every day. I got to coach him in baseball. I got to watch him grow up. And I feel so blessed for that. When he preaches, I sit back there and think, God, is that is that really him? Is that really our son? And it is. And I'm proud of him. I really, really am. The night I got saved, the man you just heard preach was in the back bedroom praying for his older brother. The night Jim got saved, me and his mamas was in a place downtown eating, praying that God would touch him. And God did. And I'd like to thank Vision Baptist Church for taking that boy in. And for Austin Gardner for teaching him stuff that his daddy didn't know. And I thank y'all for helping them get to the place that they are now. Uh, what are we going to do the 15th? I'm not going to tell you because I don't know. It's not here yet, and I don't want to think about it. And Roger and Cindy don't either. I don't want to think about it now. But I'm happy that they're going. I'm excited that they're going.
God's going to do something in India because he's here. The boy, he, he don't mess around. I will tell you that. God will do something or they'll throw him out. One or two things will happen. Amen. But I'll... How many of you enjoyed that? Say amen. Well, I'm fixing to get killed, but Miss Autumn, how about you coming up here with your husband? And a lot of you might not know her as well as you know him, uh, but uh, she's a sweet, wonderful lady. And how about you just giving a little word of testimony, a minute, two, whatever. And then uh, after that, Brother Jim can preach. Uh, Jim Roberts loves Jesus, and he's been used to God. And everybody I know is impressed with him and excited about him and for him and believes in him. And uh, so tonight, as a church, I want us to have a part in saying we love you. We're praying for you. I love Autumn. Glad she's a, she's a wonderful wife, a wonderful mom, and uh, just excited. And the story about how God uses her to help her husband get saved, that ought to challenge and motivate every lady in this room. Uh, what, what, a, what a privilege. And so I want you to listen as uh, she gives a word of testimony, and I want you to pray as Brother Jim preaches after that. try to get through this without crying but i'm so thankful tonight for this church and for my family that's here tonight that have taught me and raised me in church um i was saved at the age of seven in vacation bible school my parents have always taught me what was right and taught me to love the lord and my pastor guys my pastor i've grown up at concord and he took us on missions trips as children as teenagers and instilled in me a love for missions and i've always had a tender heart towards missions and um the Lord sent Jim into my life when I was 18 years old. And um, my mom asked me, well, the first time I told her that Jim had called, she said, Autumn, all he needs is a friend. That's all he needs. So that's all I really tried to be to Jim was a friend. And the first weekend we were home, we come to work, come, went to church. And that night I began to see the Lord do something miraculous in Jim's life. And as he sat on the front row and cried, I knew that the Lord was working on his heart. And I just prayed that the Lord would allow me to have a part in his life. And we went home that night and um, Jim bowed and asked the Lord to save him. And from that moment on, I knew that he was the man that I needed to be with. And I knew that God was going to do something in his life, and I wanted to be a part of that. So we um, were in the military and went many different places, and the Lord was very gracious to us and taught us a lot of things through that. But um, when Jim told me we were going to Scotland, I have to admit that I was scared absolutely to death. And um, I thought I could not do that, and I just prayed for the Lord to help me, and he did. And then when Jim come to me and told me we were going to India, um, just to be very transparent, I completely lost it. And I told Jim, I said, I cannot do that. I cannot go to India. I cannot take my children to India. And Tony Howis, we were at Tony Howis' house that night. And we got up the next morning and Tony just loved on us. And he told me, he said, Autumn, he said, hit him today, punch him today, do whatever you need to do today. But at the end of the day, you need to follow him. You need to love him and you need to go to India. And that's exactly what I needed. And on our way home that night, on our way home that day, um, I was still distraught and upset. And I opened, um, started reading my Bible on the phone and I started reading some scripture and it's like the Lord spoke to me and he said, how, who do you love more, Autumn? And I thought that day, I thought, I love my children. I love my husband. I love my country. I love my family. But I love the Lord more. And that is the reason that I said that day that I will follow Jim to India. And God has gave me peace about that since then.
And we went to India in October, and I was absolutely scared out of my mind again. Um, And as we got in the room, um, I was scared, and I cried. And I again tried to tell the Lord, I cannot do this. And Jim, we had a little twin bed in that room, and me and Jim both crawled in the bed, that one little bed together. And we cried ourselves to, I cried myself to sleep that night. (laughs) And Jim told me, everything's going to be all right, Autumn. Everything's going to be all right. God's got a purpose for us. And the Lord began to tell me again that night, Autumn, who do you love more? And I can honestly say that I love the Lord more than anything in my life. And whatever the Lord has for us in India, I'm excited. And I'm ready to do that. And I'm ready to follow my husband and be the help me that he needs me to be. If you want to turn to Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter three. If you know Tony Howarth, he's always got the right things to say at the right time. May not be the things you want to hear at that time, but they are the right things to hear at the right time. Um, I can't tell you how thankful I am for uh, men in my life. That have mentored me, that have uh, invested their life in me, that have um, cared about what I did on the mission field. Uh, Brother Tony Howarth uh, is the first one to introduce me to uh, this church uh, and this group of people, this group of missionaries. uh, And it's been the best thing that has ever happened to me uh, besides being saved and meeting my wife and children, you know, etc., etc. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want that to sound bad by any means. But, uh, <laughs> but honestly, uh, Brother Tony, um, they're just honest. Um, you know, the testimony that Brother Gardner has, uh, you know, he's the same man in the pulpit as he is at home. Uh, he's the same way with us. He's the same way uh, as he is with his children, with his wife, uh, with everybody. He, he takes us into his family and he treats us exactly the same as them. And I'll be honest with you, that's what I need. I need someone to say, Jim... That's stupid. You're a moron. You need to do it this way. I need someone like that, honestly. Uh, because I can't tell you how many missionaries that you hear of and how many places that you go uh, where they don't have anybody like that. They don't have a Tony Howarth and they don't have an Austin Gardner. And they're alone. They really are alone. When they go to the mission field, they have no one. I mean, zero. They, they can't even call anybody to help them. So uh, we just got a letter from uh, some friends in, uh, in India that are coming home. They said, for a year and a half, we've been contemplating coming home. Can you imagine the year and a half in their family? Not having anyone to call, being alone, and having to deal with living in India, not knowing the next step to take. I'm thankful that, you know, I'm sure every missionary has, uh, goes through those times, but I'm glad that I've got someone I can call. And he's Austin Gardner. And he's Tony Howard. And it's Travis Snow. And it's Jake Tobby. And, and, and it's others. It's Trent Cornwell. I can't tell you what that man right there means to me. There's no money in this world that could pay what he means to me. I'm serious. My dad said, he was a missionary eight years in Scotland. He said, I don't think any of you guys know and understand what you have in that man. He said, when I went to the mission field, he said, I had no one. I had no one to tell me anything. I had to do it all on my own. He said, you've got someone to lead you. You've got someone to tell you those things. And I said, I wasn't going to cry. Goodness. Uh, but 
I'm thankful for that man right there. And while I'm at it, I'll just tell you why I cry. I'll tell you why I cry. I was a drug addict. And I was a drunk. And Jesus found me. And the grace he's talking about. It was given to me. For free. I didn't earn it. To be honest with you, many years and time periods of my life, I didn't want it. I was the guy that cussed God and was proud of it. I was the guy that shook his fist to heaven and said, God, I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. That was me. That was this man standing up here. So when he sings about Christ being his all, my all I have is Christ. Hey, all I have is Christ. And you know what? Christ has my all. He's all I want. He's all I need. That's why I cry. That's why I cry up here anyway. Because he's done so much for me that I don't deserve. Uh, some other thank yous. Uh, and I am taking my preaching time for this. So, Trent, I love you. Seriously. Um, for your passion. For the world. For countries. I love you, Trent Trent Cornwell, I love you, man. And thank you for influencing my life and being what I need. Uh, Mark, coffee, I love you. Thank you for being that influence in my life. Thank you for uh, bringing me in, caring for me, accepting me. I appreciate that. Thank you. And David Gardner, he's not here. David is my friend. I love David Gardner. Yes, he's crazy. He's immature. He, uh, <laughs> he does, he, he, he's just crazy. But you know what? I love him. I love him. And I'm going to miss him when he's gone. Uh, <laughs> anybody besides his parents may not miss him. Uh, maybe Ed. But I will. I'm going to miss David Gardner as well. Uh, next on the list, Vision Baptist Church. When I came here, you accepted me. With open arms, you accepted me. You came up to me. You talked to me. Uh, Brother Frick, uh, you came up. He talked to me just like we did tonight. Just like we did back there. You talked to me the first time I was here. Brother Hugh, you did the same. Uh, Brother John, you did exactly the same. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, y'all all did email messages. Y'all have treated me. Just like I was a member here. And I'm not. And I appreciate that. That says a lot about your church. And I thank you for that. Uh, and my family. Thank you for coming tonight. Um, they all live where I live. Except for Uncle Steve and Aunt Dottie who live in Duluth. Um, I appreciate you coming. It means a lot uh, for you to be here. And I just want to tell you thank you. I love you. Uncle Guy. I love you. Um, and I know I'm going to see you in India when you come over there. And I love you guys. Thank you uh, for everything you've done in Autumn. I love you. I love you. Thank you for being the wife that you are. Uh, following me. Putting up with me. Um, us working through the, uh, the baggage that I brought into our marriage. Uh, thank you for continuing to love me uh, when you shouldn't now. I appreciate that. All right. Let's go to Second Thessalonians. and see if we can recuperate uh, from that. Thank you for the service tonight. So Second Thessalonians chapter 3. I got to thinking... You know, you read Baptist history, you read about Adoniram Judson, you read about these guys, um, their last messages before they leave. It was always like some sort of excerpt from the Bible that had something to do with them leaving. They applied it. I don't know if it was biblical or uh, I'm sure it was biblical, not maybe textual of what they were saying, uh, but they applied it to them leaving. And I thought about this message uh, that I have preached before in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, but this is how I want you to pray for me. This is how I want you to pray for me. This is how I want you to pray for every missionary. This is how I want you to pray for your pastor and pray for your church. Uh, this is my prayer request. Um, uh, let's just get into it. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, 
even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Church of Thessalonians, they were, um, they were birthed in persecution and trials and tribulations. Uh, from the very get-go, from the very onset of this church, there was hard times, there was persecutions. Uh, it was not a, maybe probably not an easy church uh, to go through, but it was a strong church. And uh, 1 Thessalonians talks how they were an example with their faith. In the first chapter, it says they were an example to, to uh, other churches in surrounding areas. So they were a strong church. They had grown closer together. Uh, Paul wrote the two letters probably around the same time, uh, probably within the same year, I mean. Uh, second letter is probably a response in, uh, uh, to the first letter. There were some uh, different things going on about the second coming of Christ, which he handles in Second Thessalonians. So probably the reason he wrote this was those. So wrote them during the same year. Uh, let's look at the first chapter, get a little context of what is going on. Uh, Paul has received a report about the Thessalonian church and man, it thrills him to death. So let's get a little insight on the Thessalonian church. Uh, look at verse number three. It says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So we know that they're going through trials, tribulations, but yet something's going on within the life of this church and they are, uh, becoming closer to one another. You see, the persecutions and the trials didn't drive them apart or drive them away from Christ. It drove them closer together with him. And it says, the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. What he's saying is that the love that you have toward each other, it's growing. It's not, it's, there, hatred is not building, but love. Love is building toward the church. So Paul was happy. He said, I thank God always for you. Uh, verse number four, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. For your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. It says a lot about this church. They didn't have an easy time. I don't know if any of us would want to be a member of this church. They had a hard time. If you came out of church, you had a good chance of being arrested, um, of going to church there. But uh, it says that their faith uh, was growing, their patience. He, he was proud of them. He was like a father that, uh, that uh, from his child that was proud of the way that they were reacting to hard times and, and through trials. So Paul was, uh, uh, Paul was uh, writing to them. He was telling them that uh, he was uh, thankful for the way that they had reacted in these times. And he's writing to encourage them. In, verse number th- in chapter number 3, uh, let's get to it. He says, finally, brethren, so the end, uh, to the end of the letter, he is exhorting them. He's trying to encourage them in some different things. Finally, brethren, pray for us. He says, pray for us. Now, in my mind, and it... Uh, you know, I, y'all might not think this way. You might think this way. I don't know. I, when I think of Paul, I think of a man that probably doesn't need prayer. I think of a man that can go into jail. He sings. He can go through anything. I mean, he's happy about getting put in jail. He's excited about that. Not many people are like that. Not many people. Uh, there's things going on in Paul's life. I mean, he's just excited. He's beaten. He's shipwrecked. There's all kinds of things happening to Paul. And it's like, man, he's just super spiritual. He probably doesn't even need prayer. But look what he says. Brethren, pray for us. If the Apostle Paul needed prayer, how much more do we need it? If, if the greatest missionary besides Jesus Christ needed prayer, how much more do we need it? And look who he asked for prayer, brethren. He didn't say, Pastor, would you pray for me? He didn't say, deacons, leaders, elders, would you pray for me? He says, brethren, those that are saved in the church of Thessalonica, he says, would you pray for us? That's my prayer request as well. Vision Baptist Church, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I... I can't do it by myself. I can't do it alone. The pastor can't do it alone. Travis can't do it alone. Uh, Trent, they, we can't do it alone. 
brethren, would you pray for us? It was a personal prayer request. He, he had a desire to be prayed for. But look what he prayed for. Look what he prayed for. He says that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. His prayer request was not for provision. It was not that God would provide for him. His prayer request was not for protection, that he, would be, uh, t- that he wouldn't have to go to jail tonight. His prayer request was not for, uh, uh, for his family to be okay. His prayer request for the church of Thessalonica to pray for him was that the word of the Lord would have free course and be glorified. That word free course means to run. He says, I want the word of the Lord, another, another name for the gospel. He says, I want it to run. He says, I want it to go out and go as far as it can, as fast as it can. He says, my, my prayer request as I go, he says, I want the word of God. I want the Bible. I want the gospel to go as far as it can, as fast as it can, reaching people's lives, accomplishing what it was meant for. He says, that's my prayer request. Not that God would provide for me. Not that God would protect me. But that God would let his word go forth unhindered. He didn't want anything to hold back the word of God. Why? Because that's what changes people's lives. You know, when I was in the Navy, I'd come home on uh, leave sometimes. Uh, and I'd bring, a, I'd bring a, a sea bag full of dirty clothes. And I'd bring them to mama. And I'd dump them out. And she'd wash them for me. And I thought it was a pretty good deal. But when I got back to my barracks or to my boat, to my submarine, uh, I'd open my sea bag up and there'd be a Bible on top of it. A Bible on top of it. I didn't care anything about that Bible. I'll be honest with you. I didn't care anything about it at all. And I'd call mom and say, I appreciate you, know, appreciate you washing my clothes. What's this Bible doing? And she said, Jim, it'll pay if you read your Bible. And I started flipping through there. Sometimes there'd be a $10 bill. Sometimes there'd be a $20 bill. Romans chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 2. She was putting money in the Bible. Why? Because she knew that the Word of God would change my life. She knew what would happen if the Word of God got a hold of me. So she was doing everything that she could. She knew that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. She knew that uh, whatever she could say would not change me. But what she knew was that the Word of God could change my life. Paul understood the same concept. He understood the same thing. He says, in my power I can't do anything. I, I, can't, I can't go anywhere. I can't accomplish anything. But if this right here. If this right here is unhindered, everywhere that I go, people's lives will be changed. People's lives, a drunk won't be a drunk anymore. A a, a whore won't won't be whoring around anymore. A drug addict won't be a drug addict anymore. A Pharisee won't uh, won't be a Pharisee anymore. It'll change people's lives. Paul understood that. He said, brethren, would you pray for that? Would you pray that this goes unhindered? But look what he likens it unto. He says, just like it is with you. Just like it is with you. Turn to Acts chapter 17. Let's look how it was with them. We'll just read a couple verses in Acts 17. Acts 17 chapter, uh, yeah, Acts 17 verse number 1. It says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, 
is Christ. Verse number four, and some of them believed. And consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. What is, what, what is he telling this church? He said, brethren, would you pray for us that the word of the Lord would have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you? He said, when I came to your city, he said, I, I sat there, I, I came and I reasoned in the scriptures three Sabbath days. He said, and when I gave the gospel, it changed your life. He said, some of you got saved. He said, and it changed your life. He says, just like it is with you, just like you got saved. He says, pray that it happens everywhere else, all around the world. He's praying, he's praying for worldwide. That it would go fast, that it would accomplish what this book is meant for. Not for knowledge, per se. But knowledge of Christ, that they may be saved. That was his prayer. Vision Baptist Church, that's my prayer tonight. That's my prayer tonight. That you would pray that in India, that it wouldn't be my words that change people. And they wouldn't change from what I say. But they would change from the gospel. That you would pray that this goes forth. And like Ben said, the task is impossible. It's impossible. But if this goes forth, this can change people's lives. This can change their lives. This can change India's lives. Hey, by the way, this can change your neighbor's life. This can change lives around here. It needs to go forth fast, as fast as it can, and accomplish what it was meant for. So there was a prayer request. It was personal. It was for productivity. And then there was a prayer for protection, per se. Look at it with me. Verse number 2, it says, That we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Why did he want... It seems like he might want a protection there. He wanted protection so it wouldn't hinder the Word of God. He said, there's some people, when I give them the gospel, they just don't believe. Their reaction is not in faith. And they oppose us. They're unreasonable and they're wicked men. He says, pray that they don't hinder the gospel. Pray that they don't hinder it. Look at chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory. Uh, I mean, first, first Thessalonians, sorry. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. It says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidden us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them in the uttermost. These are the people he's talking about. These are the people he's talking about, those that are prohibiting the word of God to go forth and to accomplish what it was meant for. He says he wanted protection from that. Then verse 3 he says, but God is faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. He says, brethren, church, I want you to pray for me. That the word of the Lord would go forth. That it be unhindered. He says, I want you to pray that way. He says, but men are going to fight against it when it's given. He says, they're not going to accept it in faith, and they're going to persecute you. You may go through trials. He says, and they're faithless men. He says, but there's one that remains faithful. He says, but the Lord is faithful. His faithfulness guarantees that our suffering has a meaning. Chapter 1, verse number 12. It says that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And ye in him. Persecution is for his glory. That's what his faithfulness guarantees. Verse number, uh, uh, faithfulness guarantees our persecutors will reap a just reward. Verses 7 through 9 of chapter 1. It says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven. 
with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, rest with us. He says, they may not get theirs now, he says, but one day they will stand before a holy God. His faithfulness guarantees that our future is secure with him. He says, who shall establish you, keep you from evil. By the way, you're not the one holding on to God. He's the one holding on to you. He's faithful. You know, when we get the gospel, you may get persecuted for it. He remains faithful. He's faithful. When there's trials, when there's tribulations in the church like there was in Thessalonica, he remains faithful. He's faithful. He's the one that upholds us. That's what the word established means. It keeps you from evil. There's a lot of things that can happen in our life. But I'm assured of a place in heaven with Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I'm going to get to look on him face to face. I'm going to get to see the one that did so much for me. Maybe I'll even get to thank him. Say, Lord, I thank you for what you did. Thank you for allowing me to be able to serve you. Thank you for that. So church, my prayer request is that the word of the Lord would go forth and be accomplished. And, and, and uh, that it would go for, that it would have free course and be glorified. Even as it is with you. Would you help me pray that way? For the country of India, for the country of China, for Africa, for Europe. Would you help us pray that? Because that's our desire. Not for me to be exalted or glorified. That his word would be. And it's only glorified when it changes people's lives. Father, I thank you for your goodness and grace. Father, I can't tell you the honor that it is to be able to preach in this pulpit. Father, I love this church. I love the pastor. Father, I sure do appreciate you allowing me to be able to serve you. Father, I'm not perfect. You know that far far greater than I do. I fail you so many times. Father, yet you remain faithful. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you, Lord, that I can trust you, that I can depend on you, that I can lean on you, and that you are upholding me. I love you, Father. Thank you for being so good to me, despite myself. Please bless the rest of the service. In Jesus' name we pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. My major question would be, do you know that you've experienced the grace that Jim talked about? That Jesus has forgiven you, that you are born again, that you're going to go to heaven. And though it may seem like I shouldn't have to ask that question, I will always want to ask it. Would there be anybody in this room tonight that say, you know, I need to be born again. I realize my sin and I thank God that Jesus is so good that he loves us when we don't deserve it. And I want to accept that free gift tonight. Would there be anybody in the room like that? Would you just hold your hand up? Let me pray for you. I'll get somebody to talk to you in private. Answer your questions. Show you from the Word of God how to be saved. Would there be anybody like that? Would there be any Christian tonight as uh, the men talked, as Autumn talked, any ladies, any men that would say, Boy, God dealt with my heart. Maybe as a mom, as a dad, a son or a daughter brother or sister and you said man the lord really spoke to my heart about the love and the grace and the kindness i show the love that autumn showed her husband might be may have spoken to a, a wife here today to be anybody just said boy i really feel like the lord's dealt with me tonight and i want you to pray for me just hold your hand up let me pray for you 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Father in heaven, I magnify you and I thank you and I just pray that you'd be glorified tonight. I love you and thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance to be here. Save people and help people grow in you as you work in us. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.